Welcome to New York Pacific, brought to you by your own free will. Tonight's episode, Variety is the Spice of Strife. The mid-century modern throwback to the prime time in the golden age of the American century. And here's tonight's host... Please welcome to the stage, Dick Kevin! Uh, th- thank you, thank you, thank you. You you can't imagine my relief hearing that my audience got the clap and then hearing you guys do that. <laughs> you, can go, you can pass that around. It's, well, it's been a real time. Uh, I don't know if you've been following the news, but there's uh, some trouble, some unrest in the southern hemisphere down in Brazil. It's something to keep an eye on, but I think it's going to be okay. Uh, the last time I got a Brazilian down south, it hurt, but order was restored. <laughs> Heard the circulation for the New Yorker magazine had dropped again this quarter. Uh, distribution problems, they, they, that's what they attributed it to. So I guess it's true what they say. You can't rely on the MTA to get New Yorkers where they need to be. <laughs> If you're fans of good music, I'm sorry to say you're in the wrong place. That's all we've got is our house band, the Free Jastronauts, the Outer Reaches, under the direction of Commander Bruce Strong. Oh, come on, ground control, Cabot. I kid. I like to, like to poke fun at the commander from time to time. He, he, he's like a brother to me. We've got a real fraternal dynamic. You know, like Kane and he. You think me again? Oh, uh, Commander, you know I don't mean most of it. <laughs> All right, well, enough making fun of the commander for now. We've got a great show for you coming up. In a minute, you're going to see some exotic animals sponsored by Mutual Omaha. And then, and then, we're going to see a live magic show from a rising star, Elena Tiff. And then we'll end the night with some comedy. So how's that sound, everyone? Everybody? But before we get started, let's get back to the free astronauts. Uh, take us to your frequency, Jets. Gents, thanks, gents. That was I, well. I think we've heard that frequency before, fellas. Uh, was that Glenn Glenn Miller? Forgot to turn the page from the intro. Well, you just gotta dig it, Dick. We are not beholden to the staff nor the page upon which is written. We are truly the free jazzernauts. Oh, I dig, Captain. That was a that was a wild way to get wild. Um, I don't think any of us saw it coming. One cannot plan for the world's explosion. The true atomic nature of reality is randomness in motion. The atoms that make up you, ha, that make up me, this studio, your couch, the cameras, and indeed, life as we know it. And the free jazz of the outer reaches. Well, I suppose so, although that wasn't really new. It was a song. It was an old, an old big band number, wasn't it? See, Dick? Part of the essential atomic nature of randomness is the order that emerges. 
That's how it makes up me, <laughs> this studio, your couch, the cameras, and indeed life as we know it, including the songs played by the free astronauts of the outer reaches. I see. Well, that was just lovely, fellas. Thank you we so much. We play what we feel. And if the higher consciousness of the F-J-O-T-O-R finds the same celestial reverberation echoing from the Big Bang and into the bang we here create, then, ha, well, Dick, we might just play Pennsylvania 6-5-thousand. Or, or twice, even. The odds are slim. But then the odds of life are slim. We are all heirs and descendants of the survivors. Well, much to think about, courtesy of Commander Groovestrong. Many thanks, Commander. Well, kicking things off this evening, we have a visitor straight over from, well, they're from the zoo. And it's not, no, it's not a Belushi. from Neutral of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, who, well, let's go ahead and bring her out, shall we? Hi, Dick! All right, well, uh, welcome, Chris. Who's this you've got with you? Well, this is Milton. He's an African gray parrot. Well, isn't he something? Yes, he. Oh, and he's humble, too. <laughs> well, African greys are one of the chattier birds you'll find. Oh, Milton talks? Oh, he does, Dick. Hello. Hello. Well, hello, Milton. Aren't you something? Yeah, African gray parrot. My goodness, yes, you are. It's like he understands. He doesn't really. I mean, he is a very smart bird. But he's just regurgitating things he's heard. Yeah, the African gray parrot. In the bag. Ah. In the bag? Gotta watch what you say around this one, Dick. Yo, keep your hands up. Scott, yo, empty that register. Milton, what have you been up to? <clears throat> so African gray parrots can live for a long time. Up to... And you won't be telling anybody about this. Ah! Are your kids gonna get it? See? Ah! Or only for a few minutes. M Milton? Let's just put Milton away for a while. Shut up, parrot. This will amuse a mindless TV-watching child's. Milton? And that blowhard, Dick Cabot. Okay, say bye-bye, Milton. Ah, is this all that was in the register? Give me your watch. <laughs> well, wasn't he funny? Blowhard? Next, we have a guest who laughs with you instead of a... I don't know, saying something incriminating about you. The spotted hyena. <laughs> and these are, well, they look like dogs, but the kind you'd have guarding the gates of hell. That they do, Dick. But they aren't actually dogs or cats. They're, they're their own mammal family. Their closest relatives are meerkats and mongooses. <laughs> they don't buy it. Now... Even though they're not dogs or cats, they're smart creatures too. Let's just get this one in chain here. That, we're sure that's a good idea. Oh, their jaws are some of the strongest in the animal kingdom. However... Oh, <clears throat> hold on. That one, they, that was the troublemaker. Let's... Let's release the uh, pack leader here to wrangle in the pesky troublemakers. So now that's two hyenas that are now loose in the... Oh, I, I think that was the troublemaker. This one is the pack leader. Her name is Cameron, our audience, Magic. Yeah, that one. Sounds like you're just making that up. So hyenas are pack animals, and so... So, okay, we there's a trio of hyenas now in the audience. They're, are they, they're going to come back. 
I'll be a son of a bitch. Hyenas are just a tricky bunch, aren't they? Now, did you say you worked for the zoo? I'm a contractor, so technically I work at the zoo. But you're a qualified animal wrangler. I'm a certified professional. In animal wrangling, though. I have certifications. But what are the certifications in? Dick, when you've got hyenas in the audience like this, there's only one, maybe two things you can do. Can we call the zoo? They're going to have a lot of questions that aren't about getting hyenas back in their crates. No, this is a little trick I heard about in India, so... <clears throat> Can we bring India. out... I remember Paul McCartney was uh, telling you about his time with the Mahabharata. Yeah, I was there. Setting up a call center. A- anyway. So, here she is. So what is with the... Hyenas hate elephants. So by bringing out one, the hyenas will calm down and they hide. So, uh, thanks for bringing the elephant here. Now, is it true that I've heard that they can't go downstairs? No, Dick, there's nothing stopping your typical elephant from going downstairs. Well, that's good, because I was worried we'd be stuck with an elephant on the stage all night. But, Bertha Year's no typical elephant. She was available for a pretty cheap because of a degenerative knee problem uh, that makes going down the stairs very difficult for her. Ah. Not to worry, because Bertha can be persuaded by... Can we bring out the... Can I cut you off right here? Just a few bees to... Bertha looks panicked. We're going to put her into a controlled... Did that elephant just die? The elephant just fainted. I'll say as you Where did you say you were from? Dick Mutual of Omaha is on the phone. You've all been great. Thanks so much. I... Okay, patch them in. I've just got word that Mutual of Omaha is on the line, presumably to talk to our animal training friend here, so we'll just patch them right in. Hello, you're on air with Dick Cavett and our animal trainer, Chris. Uh, Who are we speaking with? I am the Mutual of Omaha! I wasn't aware that was a person. I thought that was a... It's an insurance company, isn't it? You should know, Cavett. You would know if you hadn't let your roots wither. Well, I have to say I'm at a bit of a loss here. Have you forgotten so soon your roots? When did you last celebrate your people and your homeland? Nebraska, Dick, the good life. I'm... I feel like Nebraska has shaped me, but I don't really need to keep going there. Oh, sure, you can live out on Mon Top without a care in the world. But what of your family? Are they to never know their people, their ways, their sacred places? You mean, well, I have two stepchildren, but they're adults. They still may claim their birthrights. They must be claimed the Nebraska diaspora, Dick. We're so close to having two million people. We're gonna make it. And if you send your children on this free trip, they will fall in love with the corn husker state. A free trip. The Nebraska birthrights. Come to the Nebraska diaspora cabin spatula. Uh-huh. Chili with cinnamon buns and Lorenza, a sort of ready to 
runs it. Sit play in this good place. Is it where the college football team plays? Which on some Saturdays is the third biggest city in the state? See the beauty and mystery of Harlem. The Stonehenge made of old cars. Who knows how or why it exists? Well, I'll be sure to run that by the kids, and we, we've got to get back to... Bruce Springsteen named an album about New Jersey after it. Or Buffett will make you toast. Hey, thank you, Mutual of Omaha. Zoo! Hot in summer, cold in winter. Spring is beaming full of tornadoes. We'll see when we're free, maybe, maybe the fall. Better best that the Asperger asks for you. Poor Saint the Corn Husker State. I'm going to let you go now, Mutual. Kansas sucks! All right, ladies and gentlemen. Next up, we've got a real special treat for you. Please help me welcome to the stage Alana Tish, the magician. Hello, and uh, welcome to the show, Alana. Thanks for having me, Dick. Now, Miss Tish, I understand that you're a very successful magician. You, you've had a residency in Las Vegas. You have your own television show. And it says here you've taken your act on tour to every continent except for Europe. Is that correct? Yes, it is, Dick. Now... I, I gotta ask, in the information age where answers to any question are but one Yahoo search away and both evolution and the scientific method are taught to students in, you know, roughly half of all states, I imagine you must run into a lot of skeptics who say that magic isn't real. What do you say to those people? Well, Dick, I'm glad you asked. I tell those academic and intellectual types the same thing I tell normal people, which is quite simply that magic is real. And I'm going to prove it right here on your show today. Before the show, we interviewed members of your studio audience and asked three self-identified skeptics to volunteer to be a part of my act today. I'm going to perform some tricks and they will have the opportunity to see for themselves that real magic can't be explained away. All right, let's meet our volunteers. Billy, and I am a university professor of anti-theological studies. Hey, I'm Sawyer. I'm a forensic scientist and high school forensics coach. And I'm Morgan, president of the Columbus, Ohio chapter of Mensa Enthusiasts. It's great to meet all of you. Thank you for being a part of the show. Before we get started, can you verify that we've never met before today, correct? Correct. Indeed. Yes. That is factual. So... These three people are complete strangers to me. We did not meet beforehand to plan any of this out. So, okay, I have here a deck of cards. I'm going to fan out the deck, and I'd like each of you to pick any card you'd like. Don't tell me your card. Great, everyone has one. Now, I also have these three envelopes I'd prepared before the show. And I'd like each of you to pick one envelope. Everyone has an envelope and a card, right? Go ahead and open your envelopes. Oh my god, Particle. There's an ace of spades in my envelope, and that was the card I picked. Well, Miss Tish, it looks like your magic didn't work on me. I picked a seven of clubs, and there's just a vial of red liquid in my envelope. (gasps) That's interesting. Now, you're a forensic scientist, yes? And coach for a high school forensics team, but those are two different things. And a case has recently come into your lab with some missing pieces, right? Yeah, there was a man who was, oh, this, this is freaky, uh, clubbed over the head seven times. 
Well, my friend, that vial is a blood sample of your culprit. Wow. I mean, just wow. I don't know if forensic evidence from a magic show is admissible in a criminal investigation, but I'm sure I can use my forensic debate skills to make an argument for it. Our last volunteer is a little quiet. What's in your envelope? I mean, I got a king of hearts, and in my envelope... Ugh, there's just a note telling me how and when I'm going to die. There's no way anyone could know that. Darn it, looks like that elephant from earlier act got loose again. I thought that was crowd. Oh, hey, sorry. I was just backstage taking a cat nap, and this big fella got loose. Here, I'll, I'll let out the beast again. No, I'm deathly allergic to beef. No, elephants! Oh, I'm swelling up, and I don't have my EpiPen. I guess that's what separates the Mensa from the boys at Like Mensa. Alright, all cleaned up. I hope I didn't cause too much damage, but I don't know, time to check. Gotta go grab that sleeping cat. He's dead. <gasps> Can you take the note from his hand and read it aloud, please? It says, you will die from anaphylactic shock one minute after opening this letter. trick. I'm going to ask each of you to put out the palm of your hand open. Great. Now I'm going to put a penny in each of your hands. Now go ahead and close your hands around those pennies. Close those fists tight because each of those pennies is an investment. If you put those pennies in a bank years from now, they could be a whole dollar. But well, today... We're going to speed up that process. You, go ahead and open your hand. I can't believe it. The penny is a silver dollar. And now you, friend. The penny turned into a written note. Oh, and on that note it says, how and when I die. (gasps) This can't be actual magic. There's some trick behind it, some... Slide a hand, some... Wait, Alana Tish, is something wrong with your face? I, I don't know what you're talking about. This isn't your real face. It's a mask, and when I pull off the mask, you're the devil! <gasps> it all makes sense now. This isn't magic, it's the dark arts. And Alana Tish is an anagram for Hail Satan. Yes, as you've ruined my act. I shall return to the pits of hell, but I'll be back one day to make you question empirical evidence using parlor tricks. This is unusual. It looks like a fissure leading to the abyss is opening here on the stage, and the devil is leaping in. Uh, I'm too close to the hellhole. I'm falling. Help! Help! Looks like that volunteer dropped the note they were holding. Let's just see what it says. I'll be, it reads, We'll plummet to hell one minute after reading this. And the existence of the actual devil does throw a wrench into my anti-theological studies degree. So I guess, in the end, we volunteers were converted into believers or killed. Well, that's wonderful. Let's hear it once more for Alana Tish, a.k.a. the Prince of Darkness. 
Take a slip. astronauts uh commander if you'll forgive the question well control cabot you must pardon my interruption of you the jastronauts and i seem to have fallen off our wavelength not to worry commander i wonder if there isn't anything we can do to help you see the universe is the aftermath of an explosion spreading ever outward from our primordial wellspring i see and as when one is randomly combining elements be it the universe or say a beautiful birthday cake there are bound to be some clumps. Well, I, I have noticed that sometimes when I'm baking. You dig because you're a man of the world and a man of the kitchen, ground control, Cavett. Now the jastronauts and I seem to be caught in a semi-inescapable jazz black hole. Well, it sounds quite serious when you put it like that. We are merely cake batter in a black hole. And what we need? Well, it's a cosmic spatula. Okay, well... Maybe we could just get some somewhere over the rainbow sheet music, too. All right, we've got a few comedians lined up for you all. Uh, who's ready for some comedy? <laughs> That's good. Well, our first comedian here is a celebrity impersonator, and this is, well, it's very topical, folks. He's going to give us his impression of Donald Trump doing Shakespeare. Uh, thank you, Dick. Uh, I'm going to do a monologue from the best Shakespeare play, King Lear. In this speech, Lear yells at the elements and compares them to his children. <clears throat> uh, rumble thy belly full, spit fire, spout rain, nor rain, wind, thunder, fire are my daughters. Uh, my daughters are very attractive, by the way, uh, sexy even. I tax not you, the elements, uh, with unkindness. Now, Democrats want to tax you, uh, but I passed the biggest tax break in American history. I never gave you kingdom, called you children, uh, or let you run my company. You owe me no subscription, then let fall your horrible pleasure. Here I stand, your slave, a poor, infirm, weak, and despised old man, uh, that's actually not true. I am the most healthy president ever. Uh, but yet I call you servile ministers uh, that have with two pernicious daughters joined your high-engendered battles against a head so old and white as this. Oh, oh, tis foul. Uh, tis a witch hunt, really. Donald, do you resonate with King Lear? Uh, I don't know what you mean, Dick. Well, Lear is a leader. He's very sensitive to any criticism, and he makes these bad mistakes. But he, you know, he has his group of small, devoted followers, and his his downfall is ultimately brought about by his children. And does that sound a little familiar to you? No, Dick. That's fake news. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. Up next, we have oh, this is interesting. Uh, another Trump impersonator with another monologue. I guess Trump impersonations are pretty popular these days. Thank you, Dick. I have always said that after my book, The Art of the Deal, the Bible is the best book ever written. And today, I am pleased to give you a rendition of the Beatitudes for you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
but not the actual poor. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, which is a wonderful kingdom with fantastic people. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Let me tell you, there is no one more meek than me. I am the best at being meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they who hungered and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Like me, I have a great relationship with Russia and North Korea, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, and there has been no one in history more persecuted than me by Robert Mueller and 13 angry Democrats. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And let me tell you, this kingdom is huge. I gotta say, Donald, this is a pretty interesting juxtaposition hearing you recite the Beatitudes. Fake news. Next up is, oh, I can't believe this. It's another Trump impersonator. I guess the comedy world is uh, pretty saturated with these uh, these days. And we have uh, Trump doing another monologue. I'm going to be giving a reading from a subject near and dear to my heart, the vagina monologues. After all, no one respects women more than me. <laughs> the heart is capable of sacrifice. So is the vagina. So can I, by the way, the heart is able to forgive and repair. It can also change its shape to let us in. It can expand to let us out. So can the vagina. It can ache for us. Okay. It can stretch yeah, that's for us. That's about all I can tell it. Uh, let's get uh, all of our comedy acts on stage. Bring them all out here. Uh, which one? Okay. Show of hands. Who's all doing a Trump impersonation? Uh, uh, I am the best. All right. Let's just go down the line. Each of you say something quick. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Four scores and seven years ago, back when America was great. And after all, you're my Wonder Wall. We're going to build a Wonder Wall, and Oasis is going to pay for it. All right, let's hear it for all of the Trumps, everybody. And it looks like we've got one comedian who is blessedly not doing a Trump impersonation. This is a very special guest. Please welcome to the stage... Existentialist Czech writer, Franz Kafka. You know, a lot of people tell me that once they hear my material, they feel an overwhelming sense of dread and anxiety. But a lot of my work is intended to be funny. I'd like to share with you some of my goofier stuff right now. <clears throat> Okay, so this guy Gregor lives with his family in an apartment. He works a menial sales job, and one day he wakes up and he's transformed into a bug. He <laughs> transforms into a big, gross bug. Is this thing on?
Okay, so Greg, Gregor's family is afraid of him. His boss visits him and is disgusted. And Gregor can't communicate with them because he's a bug. <laughs> uh, tough crowds. As a hyena still here. I guess so. Well, over time. Gregor becomes increasingly isolated from his family and the world until he dies alone because he's a bug. <laughs> okay, that's it for Franz Kafka. Oh, I liked it. Better get back to Pinocchio. Okay, astronauts, take us away, Pennsylvania bound, or, and I might recommend this, anywhere else. All right, free astronauts, dig deeply. Dig widely, dig inwardly to your very electrons and quarks as they oscillate incomprehensibly and cast your mind's third eye to the stars that echo this microchasm as the macrochasm. The Earth, a mere atom in a body of reality beyond what the philosophers of old and new understand it. Like Dick Cavett here. And let's blaze a trail of sound. It's okay, Commander. It's exciting to witness the impossible several times in a row. Who did it? No, who started it? We're not planning it, Commander Krufstrom. It just happened. You all just happened to play that then out of anything in the world, uh, universe. You all said, Pennsylvania 65000. Just, are we going to be a free jazz band or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. <sighs> now. Just, whatever you just did, don't do. That's, uh, it's, it's solo or whatever. Just don't play Pennsylvania 65000 or you'll be put out on your anuses. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the universe itself has a certain beautiful implausibility to it. Oh, cram it, Cavett! Have you guys been practicing? How many of you used to play the supper club? That is a surprising number of veterans from an institution that doesn't seem to exist anymore. Well, the Artie Shaw living history experience shut down and flooded the market with desperate guys and... Well, I thought I could lowball them. So they're not free astronauts. Well, not free, but... Yeah, almost. Definitely not living wage. Well, that'll do it for the night. Thanks so much to our guests, uh, Mark X. Gwynn, Matthew Kerstetter, Sarah Kim, Julie Richmond, Ben Richmond, and Kevin Tolley. Tonight's episode of New York Pacific is written and produced by Mark X. Gwynn and Ben Richmond and is a New York Pacific production. We'll see you next time. You won't see us. Pennsylvania 65 oh, oh, oh.